a lot of what we do is also maintenance on the body uh, because we have a lifestyle where work is very important to our culture. Work is very important for our societal contribution. And if we work and we exercise, uh, those are two forms of exertion where you're using your body, whether it's on the computer or you're doing some physical work. Um, and then when you go to the gym and do exercise, that's another form of the exertion. Uh, for us, when we focus a lot on the neck and the spine with the massage and the acupuncture, it's really taking care of the body. Uh, when we find those tight areas of the, the body um, along the spine, those blockages can cause issues. So I guess coming back to your question is, you know, what can we do is I think paying a little bit of attention to the body and taking care of it not just by exercise and diet, but sometimes if acupuncture scares people, then find a good massage therapist that really works on loosening the tissue. Um, that can help with overall health. Um, and that's what we try to explain to people who yeah. want to incorporate you know, lifestyle changes to help their health. Okay, welcome back to the Three Self Podcast. I got a cool one this week. It's with Bell Tam. Bell is the son of Tom Tam. Uh, you may know who Tom Tam is. He's a famous healer, writer, and acupuncturist, um, and practitioner of um, Eastern medicine. Uh, he's got a number of books um, that are very popular all around, kind of Eastern medicine and his approach to. Um, healing and, and wellness and health, uh, but they have a location here in Quincy. Uh, their business is called the TAM Center for Healing, um, and Bell works there alongside with other members of the TAM family. Uh, they also have other locations, uh, one in Boston and um, a number of other ones um, in Massachusetts, uh, but they offer all kinds of different sort of Eastern medicine uh, holistic approaches uh, to healing um, from acupuncture to something called Tong Ren and um, a number of other um, offerings. And I'll let kind of Bell uh, tell you more. He can explain kind of what they do much better than I can. Um, but uh, they get a lot of people that uh, have kind of tried Western medicine and uh, as kind of a last-ditch effort, they go to the TAMs, uh, whether they're battling cancer or some other um, you know, life-threatening illness. And unfortunately, uh, for a lot of people around here, it's a last-ditch hope, right? They've, they've gone through chemo or they've, um, you know, battled something for so long that they're, they're ready to try something else than just kind of throwing, um, you know, medication at it. Um, and it's unfortunate, and we talk a little bit about it in this episode, that people don't integrate what the TAMs offer into their daily lives um, before they're, they're sick, right. Um, on, on more of a preventative approach. Um, and hopefully, you know, you don't end up in that situation, uh, where you're battling a, a life-threatening disease. Um, so we get into all that and everything they offer. Um, and again, like, like last week's episode with, with Gary Land, this is kind of something that, you know, we're accustomed to thinking or is kind of like something out in LA, this holistic Eastern medicine type approach, um, that, you know, a lot, of, a lot of people around here might call a little crazy or, or, um, 
you know, whatnot. So really cool that we have the Tams um, right here on the South Shore uh, doing this, and, and they really are some of the, the best of the best in the business at it. And, uh, yeah, right here on the South Shore, so really cool stuff. And, um, yeah, I will let uh, Bell tell the rest. Uh, so without further ado, the amazing Bell Tam. All right, I'm here with Bell Tam. We are in Quincy Center, uh, right above the Forest Restaurant, right? Yes. And uh, thanks for making this happen. So I reached out. Uh, I have a couple friends that come here and, and have come here uh, over the years and speak highly of, of what you guys do here. And I was excited to, to you know, get you on and, and talk, talk with you and, and learn more about what you guys do because I find it super interesting. Um, so thanks for doing this. Well, thanks for taking the time to come up here to see us. Um, we've been in Quincy for about 30 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So nice, nice. So could we uh, before we get into kind of uh, what you guys do here and and all that good stuff? Can we kind of take it back to uh, life growing up? So you I, you grew up in Quincy and um, kind of uh, your background, family's background, and and kind of how. Um, is it the TAM Center for Healing? Is that right? Uh, the center in Quincy, uh, we call it the TAM Center for Healing. Yep. The history of our practice goes back to 1982. Mm-hmm. My mom and dad, uh, fresh, uh, they came from China. Mm-hmm. And during that time, <clears throat> they wanted to start an acupuncture practice in Boston. And they were one of the early adopters in the area. So they started the Leah TAM Acupuncture Center in Boston in 1982. In 1986, we, as a family, moved to Quincy, and at that time, we also had a practice in Quincy on Newport Ave. Uh, Right now, we are on Cottage Ave, and we've been in this location for about 15 years. Yeah, so it started with acupuncture. That's not all you guys do here. No, not not at all. The the TAMP Center for Healing encompasses a lot of different things, including the acupuncture. We have massage therapists here. We have a healing class throughout the week, um, more specifically on Mondays and Wednesdays. We have a group healing class that's free to the public, and we've been doing that healing class. Uh, it's called Tongren Healing. We've been doing that for the duration that we've been here. Um, we've been doing Tongren Healing for about 20 years, and that's something that we also offer in this space. Yeah, cool. So can we uh, take it back uh, kind of with how, how your parents got into all this and in kind of their back room. I know your dad is Tom, right? Yes, my, my dad's who, who Tom Tam, books and, and he yeah. has quite a, quite a few books. Uh, my mom, Leah Tam, she was professionally trained in China uh, at the Acupuncture Academy that uh, in, in the area where she grew up yeah. in Guangzhou. And she came over in the early 80s as well. Uh, my father came in the early or mid-70s. And when they were here, they started the practice in Boston. And that's kind of how everything started. Um, till today, my dad still does the acupuncture practice, uh, much more limited capacity. Uh, he's been taking more of his time to teach and to write. Um, mm. Nowadays, it's mostly me uh, and my sister, Yvonne Tam. We're the primary acupuncturist in the Quincy location, Boston location, and we have a third location in Haverhill as well. Yeah. And how did your, your dad kind of get into it? Uh, he kind of got into it because we, uh, well, they, they established the business for my mom to practice and he was helping out there. And during that time he learned a lot about acupuncture from her 
and he received his certification licensing in the 80s and they both went into the practice together and since then they've been practicing uh, until now and they're cool. still practicing cool can we uh, sort of get into what each of the different things you guys offer here and, and what exactly they are Sure. Uh, in this location, in our Quincy location, we offer acupuncture. We have three primary acupuncturists here, and uh, we're here Mondays, Wednesdays, and Sundays. We have office hours in our other locations. So during that time, we offer acupuncture. Uh, we also have massage therapists who work here throughout the week. Uh, we specialize in a specific type of massage called Tweena th therapy. It's a form of massage based from China. And um, Twina itself has a lot of history and to simplify it, it's massage um, based on those principles. Yeah. So somebody that doesn't know like why, you know, you would come get acupuncture or why you would come get this type of massage, um, can you kind of explain like the, the benefits of it and who, who the typical person is that benefits from it or if it's everybody, you know? Acupuncture and Tweena massage, they both have a very wide range of what it can treat. Um, a lot of people, when they think about acupuncture, they think about back pain, quitting smoking, carpal tunnels, headaches, migraines. Those are the very general things that we do work on, but we have a very, very wide range of things we can work on. We work with a lot of cancer patients. We work with a lot of neurological diseases, including MS, ALS, um, and a lot of Parkinson's, those are neurological diseases that we do work on. We work with a lot of uh, autoimmune related issues, um, including asthma, um, diabetes, uh, plantar fasciitis, bursitis, any type of issue that is related to the autoimmune system, including um, Graves' disease and Hashimoto's. Uh, pretty much whatever the condition is, we have an approach to it. Mm. And can you kind of get into how how you approach those um, and, and why kind of, I don't want to get too much into the weeds here, but like why, um, you know, is your approach just the acupuncture and the massage or, I mean, do you integrate other sort of lifestyle things into that? Primarily, it would be the acupuncture and the massage um, for us to get into a little bit of the, the details, but not too deeply into them. Uh, for us, whenever there is a condition or an illness that someone is dealing with, we, ne we need to identify what the primary cause is. We need to identify uh, what the cause based on what we call the blockage system. And the blockage system for us is focused mostly on the spine. Mm. When the muscles that protect the spine become too tight, um, that's what we call a blockage. And as it becomes too tight, it can start impinging on nerves and blood vessels. And as that happens, the blood vessels that uh, supply blood and the, the nerves that supply the bioelectrical signal going from your brain to a specific organ or a limb, um, when that gets impeded on, that will cause some circulatory issue. And in a chronic case, then it will cause some issues that are more severe. In an acute case, it may not cause things that are uh, quite as severe, but there are things that we need to address. Mm. So when we check along the spine and we check the muscles that are along it, we can find specific tight areas that correlate to the different organ or the bodily function that is being affected. 
Mm. So that's how we detect it with the massage. So when we apply the massage, it actually loosens up a lot of those muscles to increase the circulation. So if someone has a lung issue, then what we say is on the upper back on the third thoracic vertebrae, that's where the nerves go from the spine into the lungs. So if we loosen up that area, it can re resolve a lot of issues that are dealing with the lungs. Mm. Now, if you apply that across the board with the kidneys or the liver or the heart or the spleen, gallbladder, liver, pancreas, when you identify where that nerve is going through the spine and you find that blockage, you can resolve a lot of different issues. Wow. And it all kind of, the sort of overarching theme is to get circulation to the areas of your body that need it, need it would you say? Yeah, that's pretty accurate. Yeah. So over a long period of time, if, for instance, you don't have enough circulation going to your lungs, mm. um, you know, if you have 100% of the circulation going there, then it functions at the way it needs to. When there is tightness along the spine in those muscles and it pinches on those blood vessels and nerves, then maybe it's not 100%, maybe it's 98% or whatever the percent is. Um, but in a short-term sense, it may not cause any serious issues. But in a long-term sense, as the circulation starts to decrease, that will affect that function of the organ um, in more severe ways. Mm. Yeah, I would, I would imagine kind of the time we're at now in, in the U.S. And, and worldwide really with, you know, all of the many kind of issues you just uh, listed out, um, autoimmune or, or uh, diabetes or, or you name it, right? Cancers um, are obviously on the rise. And I think, you know, from, from my perspective, it's mostly, you know, I believe a lot of it can be, uh, you know, prevented from diet and lifestyle. Uh, that's just my personal opinion. Um, but obviously you guys must be busy because so many people, uh, you know, aren't treating themselves right and not eating the right things. Um, what would you say kind of the most common, um, thing somebody comes in with, uh, in today's day and age that you guys treat? Most common, um, <clears throat> most common is very difficult to say. Yeah because there are so many different things yeah. people are dealing with. I would say things that we deal mostly with would be different forms of cancer, whether it's lung cancer, breast mm. cancer, kidney cancer, prostate cancer, leukemia, um, pancreatic cancer, um, pretty much whatever you name, we yeah. have seen it. Um, common things including back pain, those are very common things people deal with. So we get a lot of people coming in for that um, just because people have heard good things about acupuncture and back pain. Yeah. Um, things that we don't see so much of, probably quitting smoking. That's a very common thing that people yeah. assume acupuncture can help, which it could, but that's something that we do not very much specialize in. A lot of people who come in through us are coming through word of mouth, and uh, the population who do come in and see us uh, tend to be dealing with more severe issues like cancer and yeah. neurological things, uh, neurological diseases. Um, when that happens and people are in community groups or support groups, they share those experiences and we are mostly by word of mouth. So a lot of those people in those groups tend to come see us. Mm. So what have you guys seen um, in terms of somebody with cancer? Um, you know, wh what have you seen results wise for a lot of people? What's kind of like common for somebody? I know it varies case to case widely, I'm sure, but 
Um, what are some things that, I mean, have people actually healed themselves uh, of cancer over the long term, kind of consistently, you know, coming um, and, and doing these things? So with people who come with cancer, yeah. I would say the range is wide also, whether they're coming in during an early diagnosis where it's stage zero, mm. stage one, one A, one B, stage two, stage four. Uh, stage four medically is a very late stage cancer where it has spread from the primary organ to a secondary organ or a lymph node mm. or um, somewhere else in the bodily network, whether it's the bones or the brain. So when that happens, that's a more chronic case. Uh, we do see more in the later stages where it's stage three, stage four. I think presently when people are dealing with cancer, uh, there's still a lot of attention in the conventional medical right you're you, you guys i'm sure are like for a lot of kind of western-minded people you guys are like last hope right where it's like i would say mostly the people who come are the last hope people right. but it, we do have some people who yeah. come when it's early and because they have a family member or a friend or a co-worker who has come here that have dealt with cancer so yeah. we do get some people come during the early phases um so the, uh, the, the the people who come in the later stages their medical treatments vary greatly. Some people, I would say most people would do some form of conventional medicine, whether whether it's chemo, radiation, surgery, all above. Mm. Um, we do have some people that don't do any of the medical interventions that are present. Um, they do come to see us for their care. Uh, we have a lot of health conscious people that do not want to do the chemo, radiation, or the surgery. Yeah. Um, I would say the, the results vary, but the majority of the population who do come see us will benefit from the treatment, whether they're on chemo and their side effects are really affecting them on the daily, day-to-day -day lifestyle stuff. Um, general and common things we see, people get their energy back, they're able to do more, they're able to do their medical interventions, whether it's chemo or radiation, and it eases off on a lot of those side effects, whether it's neuropathy or energy or foggy fogginess. Um, mm. A lot of those symptoms can be helped. <coughs> but not just for the symptoms, we find that a lot of people who do come see us, uh, their results tend to be better when they go back to the doctors to do their scans or uh, CAT scans or the the MRIs, yeah. um, we have a lot of people who have been confirmed to us that they haven't done any chemo radiation, and when they go back to the doctor for a follow-up, um, their tumor sizes have shrunk mm. from, you know, one size down to 70%, 80%, and those are medically tested. So that's kind of the thing that's still really fascinating to me, how yeah. we can make those changes for a lot of people's lives. Mm. Yeah. So how can, what do you think is missing in terms of, um, as we just said, like for a lot of people, um, especially in this area, right? We're not out in like LA or something, right? For, for people in the, in the Boston area that kind of have that like sort of, it's kind of an old school mentality around here. And how do we take, you know, what you guys do and make it part of, you know, kind of people's everyday lives? Um, and, and have it as a form of prevention versus as, as a last, last kind of last hope, right? How do we, how do we get the word out that, Hey, these things should, whether it's, you know, 
massage or, or yoga or meditation or whatever, that this should be, you know, a part of your daily life before you're in trouble, right? How do we kind of get that message out to people? Well, I think the key word that you said there was prevention, and I think that's really key. I think right now our definition of health is diet and exercise. So mm. if you ask someone, um, you know, what do you define as healthy uh, yeah. lifestyle? Uh, a lot of people will name uh, a good diet and a good balance of exercise. Mm. And I think that is true. Um, a lot of what we do is also maintenance on the body mm. uh, because we have a lifestyle where work is very important to our culture. Work is very important for our societal contribution. And if we work and we exercise, uh, those are two forms of exertion where you're using your body whether it's on the computer or you're doing some physical work um, and then when you go to the gym and do exercise that's another form of exertion uh, for us when we focus a lot on the neck and the spine with the massage and the acupuncture it's really taking care of the body uh, when we find those tight areas of the, the body um, along the spine those blockages can cause issues so I guess coming back to your question is you know what can we do is I think paying a little bit of attention to the body and taking care of it, not just by exercise and diet, but sometimes if acupuncture scares people, then find a good massage therapist that really mm. works on loosening the tissue. Yeah. Um, that can help with <coughs> overall health. Um, and that's what we try to explain to people who yeah. want to incorporate, you know, lifestyle changes to help their health. Yeah. So massage, acupuncture, uh, what else do you guys do here? Well, for us in this uh, center, uh, one thing that I touched upon earlier was uh, something called tongue run healing. Mm. Uh, when we talk about the acupuncture and the massage, they're hands-on techniques, they're direct techniques to identify where those blockage areas are. With the tongue run healing, we have healing classes in our Quincy location on Mondays and Wednesdays. Thursdays and Saturdays. Uh, a lot of people come to the Mondays and Wednesday classes. Uh, we have them in the evening. And the Tongren healing is an indirect technique. And with that, it's still based on the principle of where the blockages are. And the premise of the class is people who come to the class, it's free to participate. Um, people contribute a donation if they wish at the door to help support the center and pay for um, overhead co charge mm. costs. And the premise of the class is people come to the class and they tell us what they're dealing with. And the hands-on, the hands-off part of it is that uh, we take a plastic doll, an anatomical doll, it's about 12 inches tall, and when someone tells us what they're dealing with, we identify where those blockage points are, and we take a small metallic hammer and we tap on those blockage points. So as an indirect technique, you can release those blockages. and. Some people are a little bit um, confused by what we're trying to do. Yeah. But a lot of that indirect technique is like an energy healing based on scientific principles. And those principles include the blockages with the nerves and blood vessels. But the mechanism of how it works comes back to some theory from Carl Jung. And his theory and principle was called the collective unconscious. When you have a group belief and a group power, um, it can create some effect. So mm. for us, when we tap on the doll as a group, um, it uses this collective unconscious power to address those blockages. And by doing so, it increases circulation and helps whatever organ or function of the body that we're trying to um, heal. 
Yeah, very cool. Very cool. And is that the, the three main? I would say those are the biggest three yeah. things that we do in here. Uh, we have an, uh, a reflexologist that always wor- also works here with us. Um, what else? What else? We have a nutritionist here also. Yeah. So our ranges of services we do provide um, goes beyond just the acupuncture and the massage. Yeah. Uh, we do really enjoy doing that Tongren healing class as a service to people in the community. Um, people who cannot afford to come see us for the acupuncture or the massage, we still try to help those those individuals. Uh, the classes are generally one hour long, and at the end of the class, uh, a lot of us who volunteer, we actually spend time with um, individuals who want to stay a few extra minutes to do a little bit of massage along the neck, along the back, to address those blockages physically. Mm. So that's one way that um, we do try to take care of people who cannot come and pay for those services. Yeah, cool. Cool. Uh, so on the, you mentioned nutrition there. Um, and I know your dad has a book on Qigong fasting. Yes. Is that right? Yes. Um, can we get into nutrition a little bit and you, you, your guys approach and then also, uh, get into fasting, something I find super interesting and something that I think we have lost in modern times. And I think it's one of the you know, best health tools we have at our disposal. Uh, but anyway, uh, I'll let you take it. Um, uh, with the Qigong fasting, it's a book that my father wrote called Pigu, Qigong Fasting. And he discusses a lot about diet, not so much on nutritional diet, but as far as behavioral diet. Mm, uh, what do you mean by that? And yeah. part of that is... I. For most of our lives, we've been told three meals a day, breakfast Mm. is the best meal and the most important meal, which is true. Um, We can't deny that, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner exist, and that's been part of our, the way that we've been brought up. Yeah, Uh, most of us don't think twice about it. We don't. Yeah. And what my dad touches upon is that for us, when we eat, it should be out of necessity and as a sign for my body. We should not be eating based on a schedule. Mm. And part of that is interesting because he talks about, well, he doesn't use the term food coma. Uh, (laughs) I would have to look up what the term is, but food coma to a lot of people is very real. And if we're eating three meals a day and food coma is part of our daily process, then it really affects how our body functions. Mm. Um, For him, uh, he explains how the digestion process takes up to eight hours. Mm. And if we're eating three meals a day, we're spending a lot of our body digesting throughout most of the day. So that, on top of the food coma, that really affects our body in different ways. Right, and and it's, it's, sorry to cut you off there, but it's basically like our bodies are constantly digesting food and there's just so much energy put into digestion and, and a lot of us, when we're also on not just eating constantly, but eating bad constantly, right. our bodies are constantly trying to, you know, get the bad out of the body and, and deal with the bad we've put in and, and just constantly in the cycle of just spending almost all its energy on digestion. And as a result, we're tired. You know, other functions in our body don't function as well, right? That sort of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's pretty accurate to what he tries to explain in the book. He goes into a lot more details about the fasting part of it. Um, with the fasting, it's partly how do you balance your meals in the day and 
efficiently using that energy. Yeah. Um, not depending, not being dependent on three meals necessarily. So for me, uh, personally, I eat one to two meals a day mm. on a busy day. Some days I might not eat till about 11 a.m. Yeah. And if I have a big enough meal, sometimes I don't eat during dinner. Yeah. Uh, some people would argue that's not healthy and yeah. that you should have three meals a day. Some days I eat at seven in the morning and then I won't eat again until about seven in the evening. Yeah. So I, I'm right there with you. I, I actually, I don't eat till afternoon. Um, and I, this is pretty recent for me over the past six months and just realizing I just don't need to eat that much. And I kind of like to, you know, stop eating at eight or nine at night and then have like 14, 15 hours of, you know, just water, you know? Uh, and I found it to be amazing for like my energy, digestion, just feeling better, everything. Yeah, yeah I would say that's uh, it, something works. Uh, well, it's different for everybody. Yeah, right. Sure. And I think to set those hard rules would be unwise where right. everyone's body functions in slightly different ways. Yeah. Everyone have different responsibilities throughout the day. Uh, some people who need to take in the extra calories and take in the extra meals, then they have to. Yeah. I, mean, you, I think the the biggest point of the book and biggest point of what we're trying to make is listen to your body. Mm. Um, as far as diet, um, I think that is very important. Yeah. I think if we're on a schedule of eating three meals a day, that might not work for everybody. But to set that rule for everybody, I think it's not wise. Yeah. And do you think, like, because that's something... People say all the time, right? Listen to your body. But I feel like most people, they may think they are, but they're, they're really, <laughs> they're really not, you know? So how do you, like, how do you approach it to somebody who maybe has never, like, they don't know how good they can actually feel? You know what I mean? So they, they haven't achieved, like, a certain level of, of really feeling good and being in touch with their body. So it's hard to ask that person to listen to their body when they're really not, in touch with it, if that makes sense. It makes That's sense. That's what I've found. Uh, <laughs> but how do you get someone to yeah. change their schedule, yeah. change their habits? Yep. Um, I don't know. That's a really hard Different one. case to case. It I'm would be sure. case to case. Yeah. I think it would be unwise for someone to cut three meals into one meal. Yeah. Um, I would say when you wake up, you know, f- as one way to do it, don't eat until you're hungry mm. or until you feel like you need that meal. Yeah. Um, eat when you're hungry, stop when you're full. Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, uh, to be fair, people who are low on blood sugar, you know, those people really need to watch when they intake um, their meals because yeah. uh, they're very dependent on yeah. those type of things. Yeah. So in your opinion... What's what's the culprit in in today's time? Uh, carb, sugar, fat, protein. I mean, what's the, or would you even label any of that stuff? What's kind of your approach with like if there's so to people listening, if you could say like, avoid one thing and do one one thing, what would you say? I would say, the one thing would be everything in moderation. And I personally have found that that works the best for me. Mm. Uh, moderating between carbs and meats and vegetables, uh, sugars. There's a lot of negativity about sugars, and I think to some people it does affect them in very negative ways. Yeah. But I would be 
I wouldn't want people to be afraid of sugars mm. as long as it's in moderation. I think anything in moderation is healthy. Um, and that's kind of how we carry on with our lives as far as diet goes. Um, yeah. Yeah, cool. So have we covered kind of the spectrum on, on what you guys uh, offer for the most part? Uh, it, yes, we did. And you said one other, you, you said this location. So are there other locations? Yeah, we, we, we have three locations. Our primary location is in Boston. We have our acupuncture clinic on Lincoln Street in Chinatown. Uh, Quincy is our second location. And we have a third location up uh, north of Boston in Haverhill. Cool. Okay, cool. Nice. Um, another question on fasting, uh, just because I'm interested. Um, have you guys, do you guys do any like multi-day sort of fast type stuff? Or or do you kind of ha- hold any fasting sort of clinics or anything like that? Uh, we do not offer any type of fasting clinics or fasting-based yeah. uh, programs. The premise of the and the, the purpose of him writing that book is to express his views about diet and fasting was something that was interesting to him because that was something that he did participate in and it made sense to him. For me mm. personally, I don't necessarily do any type of fasting, yeah. but I don't deny that it works for some people. Yeah. For me, my form of fasting is just listening to my body and eating when I need to. Um, I have a very physical job with the acupuncture, but not so much the acupuncture, but the massage aspect of it. So for me, I do need to have at least one meal, some days two meals, some days three meals. Um, so personally, I don't participate in the fasting, but f- we have a lot of individuals who do come here that do do multi-day fasting, and they really say it helps them. Cool, cool. So, uh, why Quincy? How'd you guys settle in Quincy uh, as a family and, and with the business and everything? Why? What was it about Quincy? Uh, primarily, it was about the school system. Mm. I think when we were younger in the 80s, uh, we lived in Boston. And my parents saw an opportunity to move to Quincy for the school system. And that's how they pursued coming to Quincy. Yeah. So, what have you seen personally... Um, you know, as a, as a, as a younger guy growing up here, what's, what's changed in Quincy in, in the South shore, uh, over your lifetime? Well, I would say there's more diversity now growing up in Quincy in the eighties. Uh, the Asian population was not as big, but when you look at it now, I'm not sure what the statistic is. Might be up to like 30 or 40%, yeah. which is significant. I think back when I was growing up, it might've been about 10, 15%. Yeah. So culturally there's a shift. Uh, that's something that's fascinating to me because seeing it change like that, uh, it's interesting. Um, nowadays when you go down Hancock Street or North Quincy or Quincy Center, you see a lot of different restaurants um, whether it's American restaurants, Japanese restaurants, Indian restaurants, Italian restaurants, you name it. There's a uh, real growth in restaurants coming in through the area. And that really indicates the diversity that is coming through Quincy. And that's something that I really do appreciate it about. Yeah, cool. And what are your thoughts on, so there's a bunch of new like apartment complexes going up in Quincy Center. And uh, they just did like the West of Chestnut ones there. I know there's two more going up. Um, it's certainly 
uh, seems to be like it's going to become in the next five to ten years kind of the the next Southie or the next Dorchester or whatever. You know, it's kind of moving down the red line. Um, do you welcome that sort of stuff? Do you welcome kind of it becoming like like downtown Quincy beca- becoming like you know having a lot of retail and having like awesome restaurants and like a bunch of like sort of young professionals do you kind of welcome that stuff i personally do yeah. i think some people are hesitant to <laughs> some change people don't, right? uh but yeah. i think with change there's an excitement to it um as more of these apartments go up such as west of chestnut um a lot of development comes into the city a lot of opportunities come into the city um, I think a lot more young professionals are starting to live in the area, especially Quincy Center. Mm. I think in the North Quincy, Walston area, it's still very family-oriented, family-based. But having prices of homes increase and rents increase, I think having the development in Quincy Center to allow more young professionals, it brings more life to the city and it brings uh, more opportunity to the city itself in general. Yeah. Do you see yourself... You live in Quincy now, right, still? No. Uh, I actually have been living in Milton for the last four years. Okay. Uh, we chose to live there um, because of the school system as well. Yep. And it's close to our, well, my parents' home as well as the offices. Mm. Uh, but we really love the Quincy area as well as Milton. They're two very different places, but Quincy is definitely more lively, I guess. Yeah. It's a word to use. Yeah, cool. Well, it's cool to see... Like this sort again, like not to beat a beat a drum here, but um, you know it's cool to see like this going on in in Quincy. You know we're not out in L.A. We're not you know out west and uh, where I, I would say kind of alternative healing techniques. You know non-Western healing techniques are, are certainly more common. I think in more embraced um, out there, especially you know. Uh, it, it, it always seems like it starts out there with, with the yoga, the meditation, the Eastern, you know, uh, philosophy out there. And then it kind of slowly trickles this way. And, and Bostonians are kind of always like the last to adopt, like the new, like sort of hippie thing. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean, uh, so it's cool to see you guys here doing this. Um, do you see, so three locations now, do you see bigger growth in the future? What's kind of like the future look like for you guys? Um, or, or, or are you thinking about that or, or what? I would say growth is not something we think about. I think yeah. offering our services to a population that needs it and helping individuals that come seek us, that's our primary focus. Growth, it's a philosophy, right? If mm. you do what you do well and you treat people with respect, then growth is something that happens on its own. Mm. Um, that's kind of our philosophy and I would say growth is not something we think about but at the same time we have been getting busy Mm. and a lot of that I would attribute to a lot of my mom and dad's hard work establishing the practice and a lot of it to them now still and my my being offering the time here as well as my sister offering her time here to help those people I think that contributes a lot of the growth but once again, I mean, if you think about it too much, then it probably won't happen. And yeah. you're wasting a lot of your energy doing that yeah. instead of doing what's important. Yeah. So I have this uh, this thing on the podcast. I, I call it the Daily Stoke. And it's kind of like, 
the South Shore and Quincy, I, I find to be awesome. I grew up here too, a little further f- further down in Hingham. And, you know, there was a time in my life where, you know, after school that I just wanted to get out of here, where I wanted to go explore. You know, I, I saw the, you know, you see the Instagrams of people in Southern California or Bali or whatever, right? And you want to explore a little bit and you, it's kind of like a grass is greener sort of perspective because you've never sort of left where you grew up. Um, but having now traveled and, and seen other places and everything, I love the South shore. It's, it's where I'll hopefully raise my kids and, and live for a long time. And, um, so I have this notion of, of kind of making the South shore, the place that all those things are, are possible. You can surf, you can, you know, you can do all the things that we look elsewhere and, and we think we're missing out on, but it's all here. Um, so I have this sort of daily stoke question that I ask everybody, you have a Saturday, you know, you're not working, you have totally the day off, nothing to do, uh, day to yourself. What's in the South shore area do you do? What's kind of your, your daily stoke specific to the South shore? Uh, yeah. I mean, you can go outside, outside of, uh, well, Hingham's always beautiful. Hingham is beautiful. Hingham is beautiful. World's yeah. End out there is beautiful. Not, yeah. I think going yeah. down Nantasket Beach is awesome. Mm. Um, we used to take our bikes down there and roll blades, and that's something that we still love doing. We mm. probably don't do it as much as we used to, but that's something that's really, really nice. I would say, you know, driving down Quincy Shore Drive, mm. um, growing up here, we took it for granted. But now that we reflect on it, it's a really beautiful place to spend an afternoon. Uh, there's a lot of cool restaurants there that's been there for a very long time. And there's some new ones that are popping up along the beach as well. Yeah. I think being there on a morning stroll is awesome. Um, being there in, you know, during the evening when the sun is setting is a beautiful, beautiful view. Uh, you know, if you go a little bit further down along the beach, you have, it's slipping my mind right now, but at yeah. the very end, uh, yeah. There is a really beautiful dock that overlooks Boston. If you catch a sunset, it's really, really mm. beautiful. Mm. And I would say that's some of the things that I just love about the South Shore, and yeah. I wouldn't change a thing. And how about outside of the uh, outside of the South Shore, but you know, reachable with an hour, two-hour drive? What would you? Well, I think the beautiful thing about Boston is it's kind of central to a lot of areas mm. um, surrounding states, including Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont. Rhode Island, Connecticut, everything's within an hour to two hours. If I had one afternoon and I had two hours to go somewhere, um, I would say my top destination would be Kennebunk Port or Portland, Maine. Mm, yeah, it's a little choices. bit further north. Yeah. Uh, there is a lot of beauty, natural beauty there. Mm. Um, definitely less congested, less cars being in the woods along the coast. Um, it's a really beautiful drive, and that would be how I'd spend my Saturday afternoon. I like it. I like it. Well, uh, where can where can people thank you again for this? This has been this has been awesome, awesome meeting you and everything. Uh, where can people get a hold of uh, you guys and, and reach out? You guys have social media and, and website and all that. Uh, our primary website is tamhealing.com. Uh, that's spelled T A M M as in Mike healing.com, and it has a lot of our information about our clinics, our hours, and different ways to reach us. Cool. Well, thank you very much. All right. Thank you, Pat. I appreciate thank you for it. spending time coming here to see us today. You got it. Mm-hmm.